people around us being conversational and easy to listen to, right? That's what we're all about. That's what it's all about. Welcome all of you eavesdroppers. I just pushed the record button while Willie was talking right there, so I wanted to surprise him. (laughs) It would have, except I saw the little countdown. Wish I hadn't seen the countdown. You can see the five, four, three, two, one show up there. (laughs) Houston, we have a problem. It's all good. I've had so uh, the last two days, people. What are you doing? Podcast? Like what in the world? How's that working out? So far, so good. I haven't got any dirty, dirty messages. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> crucified you yet on a direct Fine. message any, on any of your platforms yet. Well, no, which they know they're going to have to get a new hole to poke a nail in. I've already been crucified. <laughs> so. It's all good. <laughs> all good. But no, I, I, anyhow, so positive. Res- so being being vulnerable and exposure here and and. Uh, a success first we we did the oh, first I, one i don't know i my feedback i don't have a lot of feedback but it's pretty good for the most part i think yeah. so yeah I, I what do you think of the bumper music i tacked on there it's kind of <laughs> weird but <laughs> i thought it was going to be some hillbilly bluegrass string stuff that kind of got started and then i wasn't <laughs> sure if it didn't bleed over into acdc i'm like that's kind of cool here we go <laughs> Well, you told me it was ACDC Thunderstruck. I wouldn't know that song if I heard it. Shows oh, you what on. kind of a dinosaur I am. No, you've been to the rodeo. It's all, that's bull riding music, right? Now. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Well. They don't yeah, play don't the know. team rope, and they play the classical stuff in the team rope and always. I like to, I like to throw good. something at people to give them something to think about. I just, I just, it's free music. I Is just, that white? I just oh, got it and scooped it off the internet that. and tacked her on there and away we went. I didn't spend hardly any time at it. I just did it. I thought that's why you were, I thought you were going to say that's why you asked me to be a part of this podcast with you. It gives people something to think about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Did I ask you? I just floated an idea out there. And it was like a like bait. Oh, so it's, it wasn't a formal. I so didn't call you fault. up. It was an idea that came to me when when we were on the phone talking about something else. And I haven't talked to you all winter long. <laughs> two weeks later, I can't explain this. You made me buy this damn microphone, and, and here we are. Oh, well, well, we did have a, we, I, we did have a theme we want to cover here today a little bit, though, don't we? Yep, yep, and a, a, a sensitive topic that, um, well, pricing. All right, it's a big question. Pricing. How, what are we worth? What are we going to do here? And how many conversations have you and I had over the years, and maybe this year already, uh, of 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 pricing and all the different facets and, and, um, you know, of what it, uh, uh, what it affects in our own business and, and our wifeys, uh, you know, our significant others. If you're a lady out there and got a husband, Hey babe, we ain't paying the bills. I thought you were going to help. You know, it all boils down to that. And, uh, we get that question an awful lot. I'm sure one of the hardest things I had to face in the beginning. And, uh, there's a lot to talk about. 
There's a lot. Well, you're right. It's tough. It's it's the toughest thing that I've had to overcome in business is is pricing and what is my time worth and and of course that the unavoidable time is money, all of that kind of stuff. Boy, it's been hard. Been a hard deal for me to sort out. I still don't feel like I got a full handle on it, but it. But I'm trying. I'm trying to get it going. Well, and, and and I'll tell you, like where I'm at right now, and we'll get into some nuts and bolts here with the folks, but for the folks, but but uh, one of the things I'm facing right now, um, is is how to control demand, and and so I'm probably by hour the most expensive guy out there. I don't, uh, um, I mean. Ernie and Mark Dahl and, and uh, John Ennis, they've all sold pieces way more than I have. So, uh, but, but a day in and day out, I feel like I'm the most expensive guy out there. And I tell people all the time, I said, man, you got to control your demand through your price. That's a law of supply and demand. One thing I learned in college was the law of supply and demand. So as demand goes up and supply goes down, the only way you can control that demand is through price. So as the price goes up, that means less people can afford it and your supply then can come up. Less demand, more supply. Well, mine and your supply is given. It's a given factor. There's, We're only going to be able to produce so much. So then um, supply stays the same. But how do you and I keep from being 10 years behind on orders? And I don't think that's positive. I, I, there is a number that's that's acceptable on weight. What the hell is that? You know, and... and uh, I'm at a point right now where I'm uncomfortable with the weight and I'm uncomfortable with a lot of different things of, of in the business that has to do with orders. And, and, you know, uh, that's where I'm at is like only thing I can control right now is price and to, to control myself. I'm working hard demands coming in. That's not me. You know, people are calling me, so I don't have control over, over them calling me except through price. So, you know, it, <laughs> the thing, though, uh, is you and I are kind of in a category where where we have that luxury of demand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that younger person starting out five years in, even 10 years in, and they're, they're scratching and clawing to try to hope to get the next order. And, and so a lot of insecurity comes into play when, when you're in that category, that's, that's to me, that first 10 years has got to be the the hardest. I don't have, I don't have solid answers to be honest with you on all of that stuff. One of the hardest things to answer. So everybody wants to know what they're worth, right? What can I get for it? And we're all trying to maximize our value, uh, right? Make as much as we can. And and there's no sin in making money. There's a sin in worshiping money, but not making money. Um, so, so we're all trying to do that. But the question to me, the first question that you have to ask is what is it costing me to spend the time that I'm taking building the piece? What is it costing me? And nobody's well, like it cost me $2 worth of steel and $100 worth of silver. Well, that's not your cost. That's part of the cost, but that's not your cost. And so figuring out what your cost actually is requires a whole bunch of things like bookkeeping and crap that we don't tend to do a lot of. No, there's a, there's a, I've said it before, there's a huge cultural divide between wage earners and, and self-employed types like us, especially craftsmen. And mm-hmm. I, and I think we, you can lump us in with, 
electricians and plumbers and other tradesmen and stuff like that, I think is somewhat useful, but, but it still operates a little differently because, uh, you know, when we go clock in, it's not, you don't clock into an eight hour day, you clock into a project. So it's not, you're not eight hours of bill, billable hours as we've been talking about. And, and so that with that cultural divide, most people have this perception, tell people what your shop rate is and, and stuff. And this is the hill that a young person has to climb is to come to realize that there's TJ calls it, what does he call it? Self-employment inflation. So what he means by that is, <laughs> is there's a ton of money that go, that's got to come out of that, that gross figure per hour including, you know, a profit margin. I got, what if a machine goes down, I got to replace it. I mean, all, all the, all the, the benefits that a normal wage earner is gonna, gonna get can often be just as much as the cash base. So that's what he's so, talking about when it, when he's talking about, uh, self-employment inflation. So. Well, so, so I tell everybody I'm one of the more expensive guys, if not the most. I don't know. I don't know everybody's business, but but uh, I charge. I'll just say it. I charge 135 bucks an hour, bill billable hours, right? That's time me actually working on the deal. I have a spreadsheet. I keep explicit track of my time um, and materials. Um, I don't keep track of my steel because it's basically nothing but silver and gold. I absolutely keep track of that. So I make a big whopping 135 bucks an hour. Willie's rich. Willie pay, I pay myself $36,000 a year. Oh, you're raking in the dough. I'm raking it, man. And so (laughs) that's probably near the government defined poverty level for a guy with family, two kids at home. Yeah. Yeah. He qualified for welfare. So it's a deal of, and, and it's, and, and, and it's a deal of, okay, so does my business, so I have a business account and we have a personal account. Katie and I have a, a personal account. So I pay myself $3,000 a month and the business takes care of a few bills. Insurance pays for my pickup, pays for my gas, pays for the telephone. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, you got perks. You're making more than $36,000 a year. Yeah, but I have a lot of family members that are making way more bring home than that, and their pickups paid for, and their gas is paid for, and they have a cell phone <laughs> and all that business that are per in their insurance. You know, all that stuff is paid for um, in their job or, or um, a portion of it, anyhow. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it the self employment inflation. It's incredible how much it costs to run the shop and my shop though. So I have a mortgage on my building, right? I have a mortgage on the shop building, but all of the equipment sitting within the walls of my shop are paid for. There is no debt on any of it. So you think, well, what the hell's the overhead, Willie? Like it shouldn't cost you that much to run your shop about $8,000 a month to run my shop and pay my taxes. You're like, good gosh, how are you going to do that? Right. That That's how am I going to price? Pretty hard not to if I don't know it cost me $8,000 a month. And I'm going through a deal right now. Our good friend Jason Gobbs, uh, retired accountant, 
um, I've exposed my my books to him and said, all right, buddy, I, I need to know. I, I want I want to know the cost. I want to know the efficiency. I want to know. I want to create a budget. I want to know how much it's cost me because 135 bucks an hour sounds really good up front here. Look, my dad always said looks good in the shower. But <laughs> when we when we boil this down and everybody gets out of the shower, it might not be that good looking, right? Uh, 135 <laughs> bucks an hour might not be that good. So how do I, uh, how do I, uh, how do I adjust? Well, I have to know the base first. I have to know the, what it's costing me. And we, okay. And ask me this, how many people do we know that have a job that are doing this part time? Uh, know a lot of people that way they're making X amount of dollars in that job doing a, a um, a, a, a very uh, respectable profession that doesn't mean what we create with our hands isn't doesn't deserve the same respect and have the same value right well it, boy that's a that's another rabbit hole right there most people that come to my in-person classes i've in conferences i i stood up and probably didn't didn't make myself the most popular person in the room but um uh, uh, call the part-time deal what it is I, I i tell folks i you know you're if you're accepting money for what you do um in a technical sense you're a professional so mm -hmm. if you're a professional you're also part of a community of of mm -hmm. other like professionals you know craftsmen artists whatever yeah. so don't forget you're part of that community so I know as Americans, of course, we're got, got our rugged individualism and stuff going and that's all, all well and good and stuff, but let's not forget we're also part of a community. So if you're discounting your work and, uh, you got a young feller down the road trying to feed a family with this, you're making it tougher on him. Uh, it, so it, it, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, uh, I gotta tell you, so I'll speak out of both sides of my mouth here. Um, one in one sense, I really don't care what they charge because they're not affecting me. I'm the lucky yeah. guy there, right? It, it, it doesn't affect you and I, Carrie. Yeah. But because we have the demand that we're talking about and all that, and, and you and I already have a label of being really freaking expensive, and we are, right? But we also are providing value for that expense, and people are willing to pay for it. Now, the regular old Joe that's that's uh, putting a thousand dollars worth of time and selling it for five hundred is not doing his buddies any justice whatsoever. And because uh, I'll give you a prime example of, of kind of what I'm talking about here. Um, John Ennis sold a pair of spurs in 2003 for $45,000 at the TCA show. That was my first show to ever go to my first introduction to the group. And when he sold those spurs for $45,000, I was impressed. Right. In a lot of in a lot of positive ways, and I had buddies there. They said, "Man, I'm so happy for John. I'm so happy for John." You know what I said? Yeah, cool for John. But this ain't this ain't cool for John. <laughs> as cool as it is for me, like this is so cool because now I can come out and say, "You owe me five thousand dollars for a pair of spurs, and it won't be as expensive." If John had sold those spurs for ten thousand dollars, and now I'm asking five for mine. They're like, well, no, you're not anywhere close to John Ennis. And I'm not right to this day. I'm not. And, and, uh, but be, because he, he 
got a good value on those spurs, it, it made the bottom end of the industry able to step up and say, hey, I can come closer to actually making a living because the guy at the top goes. So now if nobody follows, if nobody follows that, and that's kind of what I'm referring to here is if, if, if the bottom end of the industry is undercutting each other at all times, it doesn't create any perceived value for the work that we're all doing as an industry. And, and, and if nobody follows our lead of actually making a living, so yeah, I'm expensive, but remember how much I made 36 make 36,000 a year. It's not that damn much money. So if, if you're charging 50 bucks an hour and trying to, and trying to make $36,000 a year, Holy cow, you're going to have to work a lot. I have to work a lot. Yep. Absolutely. I know when I started out, I, my pricing was utterly arbitrary. I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say how arbitrary it was. I had, yeah. I had no oversight. Of course, I bought out of business 39 years ago this spring and uh, just dumped off into some deep water and with very little training on business. I mean, I had training in leather work and saddles. I had professional experience in leather shops and stuffs, but, but I was like a, a kid on a tractor when the tractor broke down, you'd call dad, you know, I didn't, I didn't know yeah. I wasn't the man until I was the man. <laughs> and then, and then the rubber hit the road and stuff. But back in the, Oh, I can't, I, I was thinking it was 1992, 93, somewhere in there. Might've been a little later. Vicki Mullen asked me to be a part of hitching close supply catalog. And uh, kind of a cool little catalog. Of course, mm -hmm. that was before the age of the internet and all that stuff. And and uh, well, then I had this business arrangement with her, so I had to I had to evaluate my prices every year. I was forced to evaluate my prices every year because those prices were going to appear in a catalog. <laughs> right. It wasn't just me standing with my teeth in my mouth in my shop and thinking. Oh, I think my base price is X, Y, Z and stuff. I had to, it had to make sense, had to make sense in a much larger context. Yeah. So, so that was the beginning of a, a pretty serious education on how to price things. And, and I know people listening in here to eavesdropping in on our conversation and stuff. I know, um, and you, you're, you're the same way that I, I was for a long, long time. When you hear people like Wilson talking about his his uh, um, uh, pricing, the words pricing structure is, and all that kind of stuff, now and you think, "Holy cow!" I don't, I don't know that I could ever do that. Well, what I learned back in the '90s was you don't get there all at once. You get there incrementally. Mm -hmm. You go up every year a little bit. I just didn't yeah. finish doing my taxes and stuff, and I'm comparing. Uh, I got, I'm not very organized at this stuff, but I'm comparing one year to the next. And, and then maybe from two years ago, my costs of doing business. Well, we all know what inflation has done here just in the last 12 mm -hmm. months. And uh, mm -hmm. so what does that mean? Just, just your cost of doing business. You talk about the cost of running your shop, eight grand a year. Well, what does it cost to feed a family? Yeah, what you go to the grocery store, you ain't getting groceries on a smile. So uh -uh. all of this stuff is 
is a steep hill to climb for, for somebody kind of starting out. Well, it's a lot to think about, right? And, 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 and you, Katie started a, 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 a pizza joint a number, a number of months ago, September of last year, she started a pizza joint. We had no idea what it was going to cost around the pizza joint, right? She, and now luckily she has a standard that she can go look at and the cost of a 16 inch pizza, pizza hut cost X amount of dollars. Right. And, and there's, it's proven that people will spend X amount of dollars on this pizza. Is Katie creating a pizza hut pizza? Well, of course not. It's way more, uh, quality, uh, customized type of thing. Um, special dough she's not just getting a mass-produced dough she's hand chopping all the vegetables all this stuff now that it's march of 2023 and we're six months into this little adventure she certainly knows better now what the cost of doing business is if you're doing record keeping and all so in the beginning though it's a booger bear to figure out what the heck you're how whether you're making a living or not and and i'll one thing here carrie about our deal um we don't have a very, you and I have a terrible business model um, because we don't have employees. We can't have employees. People are paying us to do a quality job for them. Our hands have to do it. We don't have a business, dude. All we got is a job. That's all it is, is a job. That we also have to be the CEO and janitor of this job, right? And that's, that's tough. That that Katie needs to hire her replacement at every business she has. She what she's got two of them. Got to hire a replacement. Can you hire your replacement? Well, I've said it many times that you know, even compared to say like a rancher, farmer, and stuff, you're building. You may not have much for cash flow through your working career, your life, your working life. Uh, but at the end of it, you probably built a whole bunch of equity. What are you going to have? When you retire to sell <laughs> a bunch of worn out tools because yeah, exactly. when you step out the door and you're gone, the business ceased to operate. When the hands quit moving, yeah. you're out of business yeah. as soon as your hands quit moving. So I'll probably, yeah, geez, I, geez, I shouldn't say of- this. I, I was talking to Martin Black here. I don't know when it was last fall or something. And, I said, you ain't slowing down, are you? And he says, well, I'm trying to figure out how to make money while I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, I'd like to figure, let me know when you get that figured out. I'd like to, I'd like to take a dose of some of that stuff. Well, I'd, I'd like, a, I'd like a pill, an injection of making money <laughs> while I sleep. I promise. And you know, why aren't we doing this podcast? Well, somehow some way somewhere down the road there's got to be some value to it or otherwise you and i would be like dude dude, the heck with it and from a marketing and branding standpoint which goes into pricing we can tie this back into pricing and a perceived value uh, we have to increase the quote-unquote perceived value of the two dollars worth of steel and and hundred dollars worth of silver i got going on a bit is that i have to increase the perceived value of that and and uh and, and be a, um, well, to have value to my, to my customers somehow, some way. So this podcast is helping with that. I hope uh, we'll see. Time will tell. Patreon yeah. certainly is, is a help. Well, it checks two boxes for us. I think there's, 
we're having fun at it and who knows where it may go but benefit somebody else that's great but a couple of couple of ideas i thoughts i had there um you know, it's it's one thing to go over to your price list and stuff, your shop rate and whatnot, and say, okay, it's it's uh, we're going to increase this to X Y Z. That's that's the easy part, in my mm-hmm. opinion. At least in my in my world, mm-hmm. a hard part has been to look a customer in the face and say, this is what this is what it is, and don't apologize for well, it. And I've I've been the, in full a- retreat. And I know people out there, uh, you want to be considered a nice guy and a friend and all this kind of stuff. And, but, uh, you, you had a little story that you told me and I, I don't know if it ever actually happened, but he said somebody came in the shop and, and, uh, started kind of working out on your price and stuff. And, and, uh, I'm totally paraphrasing this, but, but as I recall, and I've told this story to a lot of people in my classes and stuff. And you, you said, you know, if it were up to me, I'd just do it for free. Um, you know, I love what I do and heck, I, I don't need to get paid for it. But if I did that, then I'd have to go in the house and explain that to my two little girls. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are you obligated yeah. to? Who are who, who? Your vocation as a provider for your family—you owe them something. That's the first order of business. Is not somebody who's coming in to try to work you down on your price. So well, I, I don't have that, that happen anymore. Right. But but it it is what it is. You we either we either pay this price or there's plenty of places you can go and get it last. And, and that's been a really, well, really hard thing for me to, to get my head around. Well, I'll tell you something. So the disclaimer here to all this is each individual listening this podcast and you and I as individuals, um, we get to do it as we want to, right? You have to do it as you want to, because ultimately, just like you say, you're the one that has to look at your customer in the eye and say, you owe me X amount of dollars for this job. Right. And if you can't do that with with uh, integrity and honesty, um, if you can't keep your head up, they are going to beat you up. Right. Yep. And 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 it is going to you are going to be crucified. So the next thing that has to happen is, OK, the first guy was easy. Like he saw the value in it and he gave it to you and you're like, cool, that was fun. So now you try it on the next guy. The, the X amount of value that you're, that you're getting for the piece. You say, Hey dude, you owe me. Well, he's a horse trader and he says, yeah, I see it, but I'll never tell Willie that I, that I would give him that much. I'm going to see if I can get it for $200 less. Well, if I don't have a confidence and I start kicking the ground and looking around and I'm thinking about them girls in the house and I said, well, something's better than nothing. I really need to make this sale. So I'm going to go ahead and take the $200 less. Guess who I kicked in the nuts. <laughs> Not my girls. Willie. That first guy. Well, well, no, the first guy. The first guy that I sold to the ex. All right. right, I didn't take any less, right? Is is the first guy. He said, said, I'll give you 500 for that. And the next guy says, I'll give you three. I don't have any confidence. I don't have any. So now I say, oh, yeah, I'll take three. I really need the last day of the show. I got to sell this piece and and, got to do something's better than nothing. Me and you've heard that conversation before, Mm -hmm. right? Something's better than nothing. So, so then I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? The $500 guy is never going to do again. 
He's never going to do business with you. <laughs> He's done. You, He's you said you. the C word there a moment ago, confidence. Oh, which one? And uh, the bottom line is if you don't have confidence in your pricing, it is impossible for your customers to have confidence in your pricing. And, and that's been a hard one, that's hard one for me to learn. And uh, so. If you don't believe you have value, your customer won't either. Yep. Yep. And the same thing, you don't get that confidence. You don't walk over to a, to the switch on the wall and throw it on. It didn't happen for me that way. Some people have that confidence. I never did. It never came natural to me. The, The only way I, the way I gain my confidence is by not, is it well? So what I want to do is create trust in my customer base, right? I want them to have complete confidence in in my integrity and honesty towards them. So I don't want them thinking I'm taking advantage of them. So I had rather price a thing at the end of the day as opposed to the beginning. That'd be the ultimate deal. And I have customers that totally trust me that have flexibility in their budget that say, "Hey, dude, this is what I want." I always give a price range, right? I do not want surprises, but if I end up a thousand or two over, they're good with that, right? It's okay. But I also will tell you this, if with that same customer, if I say, hey, I'm going to look at around $5,000, are you good with that? Cool. Yeah, no problem. If it ends up three, what do I charge them? Three, not five, three. They know I'm not there to screw them. I'm there to do the best possible job and to give them the most quality I can for the time that I put in and not try to take advantage of that time. And some people have told me, Willie, you're leaving $2,000 on the table. The perceived value was $5,000. Well, I'm not really selling the piece. I'm selling my time. And, and man, that can get fuzzy because what was it? Let's, let's, let's talk about this just for a second. I know we're getting close on time here with our 30 minutes, but, but that 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 clip I sent you earlier in the week mm-hmm. of if I can do something in three hours instead of 10, the value is still the same for you. It's still X amount of dollars that this is going to do for you and your business. Right. So the value is the same. I have. And I agree with that. Right. Well, I can do things in three hours now that I couldn't do in three years when I first got started. So there's value in that in that three hours now that shouldn't be just time. I have no earthly idea how to be consistent with my customer base by just saying, oh, it's worth this much. You, I, to me, you can't do that. I can't just say, oh, it's worth this much. And you had a solution to that, and I'll let you say it. Do you remember? A, a solution. You're going to have to enlighten me. I'm, I'm having so you, a brain you, and I told you, Well, when I told you, I said, hey, it, it's more. our value is more than time. And because I can do something faster now than I used to, you said yes, but – your time is more valuable now, right? It's not that the piece right. is more valuable; it's that your time is more valuable. Right. Well, and that, that's what I was going to say. I didn't know if, I, <clears throat> if that's yeah. what you were referring to, but, but yeah, quality and efficiency, what I can do, I can lay out a pattern. Those watch me do that. Uh, <laughs> I recognize that I can lay a, an original creative pattern out in a very short period of time. What does that say? Mm-hmm. That means there's a higher value to that time. 
So if I'm I'm stupid if I can't I can't take advantage of that. And uh, and the whole thing I owe my family more than that. Uh, my obligation is to my family and try to try to do what I can. Well, Willie, we got pretty serious on this one. Oh, Are we going to always be serious? Have these serious conversations? I wanted to say some bad words, but I'm not that kind of relationship. <laughs> you reeled it back in, <laughs> man. And and I, you know. Carrie, we this is a topic that we could go on for days and days and part two, part four, part fifty-two, right? Is and I, and as I don't really think there's any true uh, true solution to this because again, I have to say it: you have to look at your customer in the eye and tell them what they owe you, and so you have to be confident and comfortable in doing that. Um, you and I discussing this. Uh, we see eye to eye on a lot of this stuff real close on how we price things and the time and all that business. But yes, it's awfully serious and it's vitally important to the business. Vitally. Yep. So what are we going to talk no, about? Absolutely. Next time we're not so serious. What'd you just say? What are we going to talk about next time where we're not so serious? I don't know. We need to come up with something with a little more, more juice, humor. man. <laughs> Yeah, we got to have some humor somehow or another. So well, anyway, no, it's you're right. We could go on and on and on about on this subject, and and it's an it it is an important one, but it's also one that, like I said many times, it doesn't doesn't hasn't come easy. No. If you talk about being hard, being in business and hard work, that kind of stuff has hard been hard work for me. Trying to keep track of time. The whole concept of make the clock your your servant and not your master. How do you do that? Mm. Keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. that's good because I was sitting here thinking like that? because I well I was sitting here thinking because I know to the the hundredth of an hour of what I spend on a piece. That's probably my, I'm it's time is my master, but you're saying no, I only no, have time because I keep no track you're of managing it. No, no. You and I, this is the part where, where you and I are, are different. Uh, I think I'm, I'm way more, I live with a lot more chaos in my head than you do. People don't probably don't realize that. I I blame it on my artsy fartsy mentality and stuff. You, we, you, you take the, you take the introvert, extrovert, all that kind of the tests and stuff. And where are you right brain or left brain? Mm -hmm. You come in, I'm close what they say a balanced brain, but but you're you're way more left brain, aren't you? That makes yeah. keeping track of your time easier. It's an analytical function. Where whereas it with the artsy fartsy thing, I don't time, what? Huh? Yeah. Clock? What clock? If you approach it that way, that clock's gonna ruin you. If you ignore it, it'll uh, it'll eat you so- it'll eat you up. So, so what I, in my business, in my life and everything is try to be balanced. Right. And, and I know that that time is critical to my success as a business, but when I'm in my right brain and maybe, and you're right, I, I, I probably a lot left brain. And my dad would probably say that is there's a lot of left brain in me. I take after my mom in a lot of ways like that, but I know to be successful in my design and that I have to click over to the right brain. Well, how am I going to shut the left brain off? in order to get over on the right side. 
I have, that's where I clock in at the beginning of the day, clock out at the end. And it's, it's, there's a lot of clocking in and clocking. I'm not clocked in right now, right? Working on a bit, but I'm not clocked in with you. But at the beginning of the, of the right brain, I clock in. And I, so that makes the left brain shut off, right? I got to turn the right brain on. So I got to shut the left brain off. That's where I punch the time clock. And then I don't have to worry about it, right? I don't have to try to remember. No, because the right brain doesn't, doesn't think about time at all. That's what you're saying, right? That's an excellent way of making the clock your ther- your servant and not so, your master. I get it, I so, get it, I get it the way the hell out of my life by yeah, exactly. paying attention to it in the beginning. You manage it, or it's going to manage you. Yes. So. Yes. Well, we could ramble on here for a full hour. Out of respect to our time, it's time for me to clock in. Time for you to clock in, and and everybody out there, they. They want to shut people. us off. <laughs> Go to work. Get her done. So, Clock in. Sorry, suckers. They're, they're working right now while we're talking because that's what I do to them. <laughs> True story. True story. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, everybody. Talk to you next week. Take care.